In the spring of 2002, several months after the incredible disaster and tragedy and violence of 9-11, a colleague and I were talking about literature. And he said to me, you know, if the church hadn't initiated the season of Lent so many years ago, we would have had to invent it for this year. For as you recall, in those months, we were in critical need of forgiveness and healing. We wanted to find a new understanding of what it meant to love God and to love our neighbor, and a new kind of courage to follow the gospel mandate to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Although we are not really from such a violent event in our day as we were back then, it occurs to me that if the Church hadn't developed the season of Advent two millennia ago, we would have had to invent it for this year. Advent is a season of hope. And if there ever was a time when we need hope, it is now. Mass shootings in churches, in schools, in places of work, in places of entertainment, so many and so violent that a number of important leaders in our communities, both in civic and in religious communities, have come to say, prayer is no longer enough. And I tend to agree. And then, in the political climate, which in my opinion at this point is about as devoid of anything resembling a positive or hopeful approach to civil discourse or natural pride as any I have ever known. And so these things add to that sort of culture of where is the hope question. We borrowed Advent from the Jewish people, not its name. We borrowed the name from the Romans. The word Advent, Adventus, was used to apply to recognize the arrival of the emperor coming back from some victorious event or some escapade, some war, whatever. And so Adventus meant the arrival of. So from the Jewish people and the Roman people, we have found this season of Advent. It is, of course, reminiscent of both of those cultures in terms of its character. They waited in hope, with a profound expectation that a Redeemer 
would make life bearable again, would make it peaceful and joyful. They also despaired, despaired of God's assistance, even of God's care for them. But the people of God had a faith that was incredibly strong. Hear that first reading again, where the oracle of Isaiah begins with a kind of downer, as it were, something like the beginning of my homily, (laughs) a downer. But bear with me. And the oracle says, That's not the Oh, that God would rend the heavens and come down. The people looking up, thinking God would rend the heavens and come down upon them. And come down, they said, for our hope. For our hope is still here. A hope that had sprung out of a remembering of God from ancient times. And now a hope that was alive again. And so, where are the hopeful signs now for us? Where we would ask our God to rend the heavens and to come down into our midst. Well, I would suggest that this gathering right here today is a sign of hope. Think of the amazing network of relationships that there would be if we could put them all together. If each one of us was the center of a network that spreads well beyond this space, well beyond this community, even beyond this nation, of the people we know and come in touch with, of all of those that we know who are celebrating and those who are hurting and those who are perhaps doing both, those who are dying and those who are expecting a new baby, those who are simply embracing life as it happens and making it work. Think of all of those moments and those people where we could be that spark of hope. A single example, just as, a, as an example of intersecting relationships and network. Friday night here in this chapel, a number of people met to mark the 36th anniversary of the United Nations Declaration of the World Awareness Day for AIDS. And to mark 28 years worth of 27, 28, 29. 29 years of having a prayer service in this place to raise awareness of AIDS. 29 times to remember and 29 times to promise to hope. Not celebrating 
secure, but believing that there can be one, and that in the meantime, we hope. Those are the places where hope is found, where we need to offer hope. Those are the people and the places where Christ is being born and where gratitude is still possible. Those are the moments where waiting is rewarded and yes, prayers are still necessary. The people of Isaiah indeed thought that God had abandoned them. But in their lament, they were most aware that their lament was communal. Notice in the oracles of Isaiah and the other prophets, the people are never referred to or never speak as I. It is a people that lament and a people that rejoice. And so too their faith and their hope was communal. Hope is offered and received from outside of ourselves, and it is its strongest when it is communal. And so the message of Advent is, I think, to extend hope in every word and every action and every chance we get to every person that we know, whether it is to take one step or whether, whether it is to embrace some great dream. We have a future that is worth waiting for. And there are promises of God for God still to keep. We remember the ancient promises and we wait in hope for those yet to be. Hope doesn't mean that we ignore realities, as hurtful as they might be. Nor does it mean that we should stop lamenting the effect of some realities upon us. But hope does mean that we wait with a different spirit and we live with a greater purpose.